Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. God who brings us peace today. The bread, your body, the wine, your blood, 
by your grace that we are healed of our sin. It's by your grace that we're saved. There is no other way. Would you fill us up with gratitude right now and help us come to you in a time of just real and sincere prayer and thanks. We need you, we love you, and we wanna be with you, amen. We had people who uh, were actually baptized in this baptistry over here before this room was done. They'd put the baptistry in, they'd run the water here, and, and it was already heated. They just hadn't finished the room yet, and somebody said, hey, can we get baptized there? And, sure. I, I remember a, a couple of different times where life groups just asked if they could come in the middle of the week, and 10 or 12 of them sat in these seats right over here while three or four of their life group members were baptized and they all applauded and erupted as if the room was absolutely full. In fact, that video that you just watched was something that was prepared for our one year anniversary uh, in this facility. So that video is actually seven years old. And since that video uh, was made, there have been 342 more baptisms that have happened right over here in this baptistry. And for almost every one of them, for almost every person that's been baptized there, there's been this nervousness to the moment. Whether the room was absolutely full on a Sunday morning or whether it was somebody that was getting baptized and it was their family and friends who had come on a Tuesday night to sit right up here in the front and we just had that area lit up, it was still kind of this nervous energy happening backstage getting ready to walk down into the water and I get it. It is nervous energy because it's a big deal. It's a big step that you're taking. The nerves happen because it's you trusting and believing that, that in fact this is what God wants you to do. And because it's what you want, he wants you to do, you're willing to take the step and you're trusting him in that. And so you take that big risky step. We mentioned last week uh, some folks that three years ago took some risky steps as well. 282 families and uh, couples and individuals who walked right down these aisles three years ago to give towards Let's Go, which Let's Go was our, uh, is our capital campaign that, that has to do with the expansion of this facility and this, this ministry that's happening for our kids over in Kidtown. And as people gave, they walked down the aisles and, and they walked nervously because what they were getting ready to give, what they were getting ready to commit was a big deal. But it was a big deal because it's what God was asking them to do. And there's so many big steps that we take for God. When we decide that we're gonna make this fellowship that we're in right now, that we're gonna make this time where we worship God together on Sunday morning, a priority in our life and a priority in our calendar and we're going to move other things aside so that we can be here and do that. That's a big step. When we decide that we wanna be involved in community with other people 
and we want to be in a life group, and, and we want to not just kind of slip in and slip out of the building without anybody really knowing us and knowing who we are and knowing what's going on in our life. That's a big step. And when we start to view money in different ways and we look for opportunities to give and we look for opportunities to tithe and we look for opportunities to go above and beyond that and give our offering to God, that's a big step. When we figure out how we're wired and how we can use our gifts and our talents and the way that we're wired up to to serve and, and give back to the kingdom of God, that's a big step when we recognize the opportunities that we have in our life to mention our faith, to tell our story, to talk about Jesus, maybe just to invite somebody to come and hear about Jesus, when we speak out for him, it's a big step. There's so many big steps that come our way over and over and over again, but every step that we're asked to take by God is a risky step in some way. And we don't live in a world that likes risky steps. We live in a culture and in a society that wants everything to be guaranteed. We want warranties on everything. We, we, we want to make sure that when we're shopping, we get some type of a receipt so that we can return it. It's very important that we know that we can return this if we don't like it. Because that eliminates the risk for us. And I'm all for that in terms of retail, okay? Promise, I'm good with all of that. But the problem is we try and apply that same guarantee want and return policy to all the different parts of life. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to career, when it comes to kids, comes to relationships, comes to education, when it comes to any of those things, we want there to be a guarantee. We want somebody to say, look, this is exactly how it's gonna go. This is exactly what the path is gonna be. And if that doesn't happen exactly as I said it was gonna happen, here's your way out so that things can return back to the way they were before you ever took a risk as if the risk was never taken in the first place. And if we get that, then we will be willing to take the step. If you can eliminate all of the risk then I'll take the step. But that's not how life works. It's really not how life has ever worked. In that video that we just saw, a video that stretches back in history over 140 years, there are countless times, hundreds of times where the church and the leaders of the church had to take some risky steps that did not come with a guarantee and did not come with a, a, a cash back receipt and did not even come with a clear path of exactly where to go next. But they took that step because they felt like that's what God was asking them to do. And they had faith in that. You know, even as we've been talking about these stories in the Old Testament over the past month, we've seen that same risky step being taken. We saw it taken with Abraham as Abraham left behind the, the comforts of a little town called Ur that he'd grown quite comfortable in. And we saw it with Moses as God asked him to move away from his hiding place in the mountains. 
We saw the opportunity that was there for the 12 spies who were just shown the promised land that God was already going to give to them. It was already a done deal. And yet 10 of them convinced the whole nation to not move. All these steps that God was asking people to take and to trust him as they took those steps into what was beyond. And today we're going to kind of continue that story along that we've been following for a while through uh, the, the Old Testament. And, and last week we had the, the 12 spies who went in and 10 convinced the nation not to move. And, and two said, no, we need to have faith in God, but everybody listened to the 10. And, and so they stayed on one side of the Jordan River and never got to go into the land that was already prepared for them. We move forward in the story 40 years and we get to Joshua chapter three. And so if you've got your Bible with you uh, or you've got a Bible app on your phone or your tablet, I wanna encourage you to open with me, follow along with me as we kind of fly through Joshua chapter three to set the, the scene of what's going on here. Moses has died along with the, the generation that had to kind of stay on the Jordan River because that was the decision that they made. They didn't wanna trust God. And so God waited until that whole generation was gone. And when the whole generation was gone and it was a whole new group of Israelites, Moses died and God made Joshua the new leader. Joshua was one of the two spies that went in that said, no, we can do this. This is what God wants us to do. He's already given it to us. And so God gave Joshua the lead. And then God gave Joshua um, some really long instructions for how they were going to enter the promised land. Because to enter into the promised land, they were first going to have to go across the Jordan River. It was the thing that stood between them and the land that God had promised to them. They're finally going in. It's been 40 years of waiting, but to get there, they have to go across the river. And this river that they're going to cross is not an, a simple crossing. For one, the Bible tells us that the Jordan River was at flood stage at this particular moment. And flood stage at the Jordan River that's still there is something that causes the, the waters of the river to come up over the bank and to flow out into the valley to a point that the, the Jordan River during flood stage at certain points is a mile across. In, in addition to that, in addition to the fact that the, the river is already flowing wildly because it's flood stage, the Jordan River starts up in Mount Hermon. And it starts in the north at Mount Hermon and it comes down to the Dead Sea. It passes through the Sea of Galilee on the way. And as it travels from Mount Hermon all the way down to the Dead Sea, it drops 8,000 feet in elevation. The river does. And so not only is it at flood stage and it's mile across at certain points, not only is it already flowing pretty wildly because it is flood stage in a river, but it's also dropping elevation by 8,000 feet and moving downhill quickly. And with that rushing water in front of them, kind of a barrier between them and the promised land, here's the instruction that God gives in Joshua chapter three, verse 13. He says, the priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. Okay, this is the ark of the covenant that the priests are gonna carry. And there's some of us who have read the Bible and so we know about the ark of the covenant because of what we read in the Bible. There's many others of us who know the ark of the covenant because of Indiana Jones. And I'm okay with that, all right? Same story. Well, not Indiana Jones, but you get what I'm saying. So there's this gold chest that the people of Israel carry with them. And the gold chest is 
not just this chest that carries in it the tablets that Moses brought down that have the Ten Commandments, and it doesn't just carry in it the, the, the rod of Aaron that was used multiple times through those 40 years as they're wandering in the wilderness. So these are artifacts that are important to the people of Israel that are in, enclosed inside this gold chest that's been made. But the gold chest is a symbol to the people of Israel. It is a sign to them that, that God is with them, that the presence of God goes before them, that the, the Ark of the Covenant was carried in front of the army, carried in front of the people as they traveled. It was always there for them to know that God was with them. No enemy had seen the Ark of the Covenant yet, but when they finally started to see it, they would come to realize that the Israelites were not people to be messed with because they had God on their side. So continuing on in in verse 13, we read this. As soon as their feet, that's the priests, touch the water. So they're gonna carry the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. They have it on poles. There's rings on the side of the Ark of the Covenant. The poles go through the rings. The, The priests have the poles on their shoulders as they carry the Ark because part of the deal is it's the presence of God. So they can't touch the Ark it is a risk just to be chosen to be an ark carrier. And now God says, not only do I need you to carry the ark, but with the ark on the poles, on your shoulders, I need each of you to step your feet into the water of the rushing waters of the Jordan. And the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. Now one more thing about the Jordan River. The banks of the Jordan River. It's not beachfront property, okay? The the banks were said to be jagged, cliff-like banks when the river was not at flood stage. And so as these priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant on the poles that they have to use so that they don't touch the Ark, They are now stepping into a very rapid flowing body of water without assurance of exactly where and how their foot is going to land. And yet as they take these steps, they are trusting God with what is not an obvious step. Verse 15, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. And then all of the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. And they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. These are some heroic people. Heroic people that took the very first steps into the promised land that people had been waiting to take for 40 
years. And specifically, these priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant on its poles, stepping into water that they're not sure is going to stop flowing, but God says it's going to stop flowing whenever the soles of our feet touch the water, and then we'll be able to see exactly where we're supposed to land with that step. They're heroic people. And it's not just that they are collectively heroic. Each individual person had to make the decision that carrying a very risky part of their heritage that they weren't allowed to touch, they would be able to step and they would not stumble. They were trusting God, but they were trusting him with absolutely no guarantee. So let's, let's bring that all the way forward to each one of us as individuals. Is there anything in your life right now that you are trusting God for? It's been part of your prayer life. It's been something that you've been thinking about a lot and, and you've been kind of hoping that God was going to participate and and intervene in this part of your life. Maybe it's a relationship situation. Maybe it's a career issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a spiritual thing. Maybe it's an idea, a question, a thought that's been in your mind that you need to get baptized or that you need to join the church or or that you need to um, maybe participate and, and, and give of your money or give of your time, give of your your talents and your gifts. Maybe it's about inviting someone to come with you and sit with you at a church service or sit with you at at Christmas Eve or or maybe it's it's inviting them to come and be a part of, of Cookies with Mrs. Claus and get to hear the story of Jesus and you've had this thought in your head. But all of those are scary steps to take. All of those are risky steps to take. And so let me, let me add a little question to the question. There may be something that you're counting on God for, but are you stuck waiting for God to remove all the risk? Crossing the Jordan River was a test for Israel. It was a test for those priests who were asked to take that first step into the Jordan, and it was a test about how much they really trusted God. See, here's what I know. Every one of us in this room is currently, right now, faced with our own Jordan River. And it may have something to do with with a step of faith that you need to take. It may have something to do with an involvement in the kingdom of God that you need to participate in. But everybody in this room faces the Jordans, faces this barrier that's trying to prevent us from being or prevent us from doing what God wants us to do. And God is saying, just like he said to the Israelites, look, I've already got this. I've already solved this for you. I've already given you what I'm promising you. I've taken care of everything. I'm gonna be with you every step of the way. I just need you to take that first step into the water.
And suddenly we are right back to a decision of whether we are going to operate out of faith or operate out of fear. See, operating out of fear, fear reminds us over and over again of the consequences. Fear reminds us over and over again of the potential of failure. We are reminded of how people are going to see us. We are reminded of what might go wrong. We are reminded of what may be a mess further down the, right, down the road if we choose to take this step. And fear reminds us of all of those things. But let's just consider here in America, and this is a very specific comment to here in America in 2021, let's unpack our consequences for just a moment. Let's unpack that potential failure that's there. And just for the sake of perspective, do you remember Moses? Moses who was at the burning bush and Moses who heard the voice of God, and the voice of God said to him, look, Moses, I need you to go to Pharaoh. I need you to go to the most powerful person in the world. I need you to go to the one who has more authority on the face of the earth than anybody else. I need you to go to him, and I need you to tell him to let my people go. What's the potential failure there for Moses? What's worst case scenario for Moses? Worst case scenario is Moses dies. Pharaoh, who's that powerful, just decides right in that moment that he's going to kill Moses, and he does. That's worst case scenario. Here's Joshua being asked by God to step into the Jordan River. And there's no guarantee that the river is going to stop flowing. There's no guarantee that the, that the, the, the wall of water that's going to back up is going to stay backed up. So what's the worst case scenario for Joshua at flood stage with rapids and 8,000 foot elevation, downhill flowing water. Worst case scenario is Joshua could die. Over in the New Testament, God asked Paul to go and spread the good news of Jesus and tell people about Jesus in places that no one had ever thought about telling people about Jesus. He asked Paul to go into the heart of the Roman Empire, to go into the heart of Rome and tell the Romans who don't believe in God at all, much less Jesus, and explain to them who Jesus is and explain to them how Jesus' grace and forgiveness was meant for them. And he was to speak this truth about Jesus right into the ears of the people who are closest to Caesar, who thinks himself to be a God. And he's supposed to keep talking even if they put him in a Roman jail, which they do. What's the worst case scenario for what God's asking Paul to do? Paul could die. In fact, Paul did die. Those are worst case scenarios for all of those people who took steps of faith that God asked them to take. Now let's talk about us for a moment here in America in 2021. You and I go to a friend. It's a person we already have a relationship with. It's a person who already trusts us and we trust them and we share our life with them, we share our story with them. We share Jesus with them at the opportune moments when it just seems appropriate to talk about Jesus and we invite them to come and sit with us at church and hear about Jesus or we invite them to come and be in our life group or we invite them to come and sit with us at a Christmas Eve service. 
Worst case scenario, we don't die. Worst case scenario is that somebody says no. That's worst case. Maybe it's a decision about being baptized and you've kind of been wrestling with that and it's a step that you know God is kind of asking you to, te- to take but you're not sure you want to take that and, and you've been running the, the potential through your head and what's the worst case scenario there? The worst case scenario is not that you'll die. We won't hold you under that long, I promise. The worst case scenario, somebody sees you with wet hair What if you've been coming to church for a while and and the the step that you feel like God's asking you to take is to give back? And what if you gave money or or what if you gave time and you found a place to serve and you volunteered in, in some things that are happening here at the church or through the church and gave back to the kingdom of God? What's the worst case scenario? You don't die. You may have to rearrange your spending. You may have to rearrange your calendar. But that's worst case scenario. See, we we come from a a history of risk takers who took steps of faith into the Jordan and whatever their Jordan was that were steps where their life was on the line. And now, because of where we live and because of when we live, The risks have changed. But the ask from God is still the same. There are always going to be moments where we've got to take a step into the Jordan, even at flood stage, even when it's moving with rapids, even when it's coming downhill at 8,000 feet of elevation. And no one can take that step for you. You have to get your feet wet and take the step. But what I can tell you is that God has been and God will be faithful. He can be trusted. Now, some of you here have been sitting on the banks of the Jordan for way too long unwilling to take a step. Or there are some here who used to take steps into the water all the time. We knew it was risky, but we felt like God was asking us to do it, and we said we took those steps into the water, even though we couldn't see exactly where our foot was going to land, but we trusted God as we took it. But then somewhere along the way, maybe during the pandemic, we got very comfortable sitting on the banks of the Jordan. And it's time to move again. It's time to move and trust God as we do it. It's time to move beyond what you can see beyond the step that makes perfect sense and has a guarantee and and a return receipt attached to it, beyond what you can control, 
It's time to trust God for what is beyond. Even when you look down into the water and you can't even see where that step is gonna land. He is waiting for you to take that step. The story of the nation of Israel crossing the Jordan River and heading into the promised land for the first time after waiting 40 years, it's not completely done yet. Kind of a post-credit scene shows up at the beginning of Joshua chapter four. Hundreds of thousands of people had passed by the priests who were holding the poles that were attached to the ark as they stood in the middle of the dry riverbed of the Jordan River. Hundreds of thousands of people from the nation walked right by them and then God asked them to stand there for just a little bit longer. And we get to the beginning of Joshua chapter four and it says this. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men one from each tribe, and tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan, and then carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So the place that they're camping is actually their first night in the promised land that God has prepared for them. And God wants them to go in and, and, and take the, the, the boulders out of the middle of the Jordan River and carry them up on their shoulders, bring them back up out of the Jordan River and set up a monument of those 12 stones that would be remembered for generations to come. It was a memorial that was there to mark the place where those priests took a non-guaranteed step into the rushing waters of the Jordan River and God performed the miracle that he told them he was going to perform. It is a monument where people would be remembered for generations to come. What do you want to be remembered for? What is beyond where you are right now that God is, is asking you to take a step. And, and if you know what that request that God is making is on your life, whatever that step is, whether it's a personal step of your faith, whether it's a, a step that's gonna impact the, the faith of your family or the faith of the people in your community, what is the step that God is asking you to take and do you respond to that request with faith or fear? What do you wanna be remembered for? We're past Thanksgiving. Okay, Thanksgiving happened on Thursday. And so in my mind, it is Christmas, okay? It became Christmas when I woke up Friday morning, okay? It is Christmas season. And if you wonder if it's a Christmas season, you can come to my house because Christmas threw up at my house yesterday. It is decked out, it is upstairs, and it is downstairs, and it is outside front and back. Christmas is here. It's the Christmas season. And so maybe this Christmas season can be a season where we start taking risks for God.
where we start taking those steps that we know we've been trusting God to take, but we've been waiting for him to kind of remove all the barriers and remove all the risk and make it just abundantly clear exactly where our step is supposed to go. And maybe what he's been asking us to do is to take the step first and let him do what he has promised to do. Maybe this needs to be a season where we invite others towards the truth of Jesus. Maybe this is a season where we make a decision for him with our life. Maybe this is a a season where we start serving for, uh, for him and we start giving to him. We start trusting him with our time, with our money. What step into the Jordan is God waiting for you to take that is beyond where you are right now? This can be a season that gets added to your story. This can be a season that gets added to our story. What do you want to be remembered for? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we uh, are so thankful for the blessings that you have poured out on us. We have lifted voices uh, this week just sharing with you all that you have given to us, that we recognize, that we understand what we have to be grateful for because of you. But God, as we move into this season, this season where we celebrate your greatest gift to us, God, would you give us the courage to take steps? to take steps that we may full well know you want us to take, and we have been responding with fear, unwilling to take that step into what is unknown, unwilling to take that step when there doesn't seem to be as clear a footing as we want to see. God, would you give us the courage, even today, to begin to take steps into our Jordan River, trusting that you will be there, trusting that you will do what you say you will do, May we be willing to share that story with the people around us. May we be willing to step out in faith, not fear, and trust in you, God. God, we thank you for the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the love that we know because of Jesus Christ. Not only his presence in this world, but his death, his resurrection, his power, his authority that makes, us, makes it possible for us to know you as Father. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm gonna ask that you would stand with me this morning. And maybe today needs to be a day that you take a step. And you step out into the aisle and, and as we're singing, walk down and, and say, I want to take Jesus as the, the leader of my life, as a forgiver of my life, and I trust that what he says is true and, and you want to be baptized in his name today. Maybe that's a step that you need to take. Maybe another step that, that, that's, that's kind of on your mind right now is being part of this family and part of this church and, and you want to join us here at First Christian Church. We'd love to have you with us. And Maybe that's a step that you need to take. We had a couple who did that in in first service, and so we we continue to celebrate the decisions being made, but maybe it's a decision that you need to make. 
Or maybe as we sing right now, there, there are some steps that God's been placing on your heart throughout this year or at least throughout this, this past month and you've been reluctant to take it because you're waiting for him to remove all the risks and he's waiting for you to take the step. And maybe today needs to be that day. If you have a decision to make, we have folks who will be here to talk with you and pray with you, step right in the aisles and walk right on down. But may the rest of us lift our voices in praise and worship and celebration of our God, our King. Let's sing together. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without.
my soul will rest in your embrace.